0: Oh,
1: Recorded live.
0: Hello, this is Yahweh's Covenant People, November 28th, 2009. This is William Fink filling in for Eli James, who won't be back until next Friday on the Christoguenos program. And tonight I have Pastor Jeremy Visser here, and we're going to talk about the divinity of Yahshua Christ. Pastor Visser, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing absolutely great. How about yourself, Pastor Fink? Just wonderful. Thank you
0: um where do we start i mean this topic there's a lot of breath here and there's a lot of ground to cover and and hopefully we'll get most of it in tonight but where would you like to start
1: well i believe the best part, place to start would probably be in uh, the prophecy of the coming messiah which would be found in isaiah chapter nine nine verse six where it says unto us a child is born unto us a child is given he has many names and one of those names is the mighty god which is kind of interesting. It would up. be
0: um, it it would be absolute blasphemy if if that weren't true. That 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 they would call anybody the mighty God except for the the one and only Yahweh. That's, I, that's,
1: absolutely.
0: That's the way I look at that prophecy. And I, I I like to say I I have to issue a caveat that the the Septuagint translation is different to Isaiah nine six. Oh, wow. But I give Isaiah nine six as we find it in the Masoretic text full, full credibility, and this is why, because it's one of the few occasions that the Dead Sea Scrolls support the Masoretic text. Oh wow. the Dead Sea Scrolls version of this is exactly as it found in the Masoretic text, and okay. I just I had to issue the caveat because it's the situation is true. However, Isaiah, it's it's the Septuagint is almost always supported by the Dead Sea Scrolls over the Masoretic text, except here. Wow. And if you check the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible, you'll see that the Dead Sea Scrolls manuscripts of Isaiah support the Masoretic text at Isaiah 9-6. And, and I just say that to quell, to quell any, any dispute amongst, you know, there are a lot of Septuagint followers, and, and it's an important book, don't get me wrong, but it, that's not the, the end-all, it'd be-all of, of Old Testament Scripture either. You know that's not the that's not the perfect Old Testament scripture either.
1: Oh, indeed, indeed, and as well, Jesus Christ gives that statement of Isaiah nine six credence when, uh, in Revelation chapter one verse eight, he says, "I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the Almighty." So he straightforwardly confirms as well that he is the Almighty God.
0: Absolutely, and and let me say that that word beginning in Greek. Where where Yahshua Christ says in the Revelation that he is the beginning of all creation, that word beginning in Greek isn't quite what we might think it is in English. It means a source or an origin in Greek. Wow. Which, which only strengthens the meaning of what he's saying in the Revelation. And, and there's no doubt that it, in Isaiah... In the book of Isaiah several times, Yahweh calls himself the beginning and the end, doesn't
1: he? Yes, indeed.
0: And, yes, and indeed. Joshua Christ in, in the Revelation takes the same, the, the same titles and, and claims the same glory. How could he claim that if it weren't true?
1: <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And there were several places within the New Testament that uh, he equated himself with numerous things. And, you know, speaking of Isaiah, also in Isaiah 7, verse 14, there's a familiar prophecy where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall beget a child, and his name shall be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Because it's reiterated in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, as well, that Jesus Christ was God with us. And Emmanuel, if you break that down, would mean God with, with us or with us is God literally.
0: And that's the the only way, and that's exactly what it does mean. And the only way that could that could not be, um, that 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 could be literally true, is if Yahshua Christ was actually Yahweh in the flesh. Indeed. I'd like to go back. You know, I'm going to um, I'm going to throw. I'm I might be throwing you a curve here. I'm going to go back to the Egyptian religion of the 18th dynasty, and to him. To Aman as the sole God, and it says specifically that Aman is the sole and only God. One is Aman, hiding himself from them, concealing, concealing himself from other gods, so that his very color is unknown. And, and they, by color, they don't mean you know the plain word as we understand it, but it, it, it makes an express statement that their God Aman is one. And then it goes on to say that all gods are three: Aman, Ray, and Ptah. And Aman is the the hidden essence of him, and Ray is his face, and Ptah is his body. And and what I would like to compare that to, and and the Egyptians were a branch of our race, and and they would have had the truth at the beginning.
1: Sure.
0: And and what I'd like to say is that this this isn't a trinity; it's an expression. That God is one, but Joshua Christ is His His earthly being, and and the Holy Spirit is His essence also, and, oh. and they're all a, uh, uh, they are all an aspect of the same God.
1: Yeah, indeed, and our scriptures teach no different. Like in First Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, where it says, "Without controversy is the mystery of godliness," where it states that God was manifest in the flesh. And so Paul straightforwardly says that there's no controversy about this aspect, that the Spirit of God, when placed in flesh form, is God in the flesh, or Emmanuel, God with us. So once again, Jesus Christ is God.
0: And and that's exactly the point I'm driving to, is that it's not that there's a trinity, or it's not that there's a duality, or, or a a, a nonadity which would mean nine aspects of God because you could name the rock in the desert and the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire and and, and and Yahweh has a lot of manifestations, not just two or one or three or or six. He is what he will be, is what he told Moses at the burning bush. Yeah. Which was another manifestation of him. And 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 it's not a Trinity, it is that, that the one almighty God Yahweh can manifest himself as he pleases, and in Yahshua Christ, he chose to manifest himself as one of his own creations, or one of his own children. And that was Yahshua Christ coming to flesh. That was Yahweh in the flesh. There's no doubt. There's no doubt when you actually read scripture. Go on.
1: Yeah, indeed. I was going to point that out. As many uh, like as many Judeo-Christians or mainstream Christians who profess to read the Bible would know that in John, you know, 1:1, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then in John 1:14, it says that the that that word was made flesh. And that ties perfectly back into Genesis 1:3, where one of the first acts of Yahweh is to say let there be light, cuz Jesus Christ later on would say, I am the light of the world as well is also another statement that he is God, or at least there in the beginning, that word made flesh.
0: And and in the Egyptian, um, you know, several branches of my race, I think, at a very early time took that too literally, because in the Egyptian mythology, ray was the word for the sun. Oh, I see. And, and their um, one god is the light of the world. That that got transferred to the sun, I believe, and and degenerated into pagan sun worship. I see. And and I think the same is true of the bell religion religion also that it degen- It started out as a truth and degenerated in, into into the devices of of man falling away from
1: God. Indeed, that, this would be a good place to ask your opinion on the uh, end of Malachi, where it states that the son of righteousness shall uh, rise with healing in his wings. What do you think about the fact that they deified that at least in the King James?
0: Well, well, right. And I think that that's um Yahweh expressing himself as the true son and the true light. Do you, do you follow me? There's a place in Matthew, I I forget um where it is exactly, but it uses son S U N and Sun S O N and and it's a wordplay but it's it's um it's not a wordplay in Greek. It's only a wordplay in English. You, you know what I mean? Because sure. It, it it's Helios and Huios in Greek, and 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 it talks about um re- respecting or glorifying the sun because his sun shines upon you, and 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 it's actually a wordplay in Greek and not in English, and and in English and not in Greek, which is pretty amazing.
1: Wow, it,
0: it's it's pretty profound to me. I wish I knew exactly what verse it was right now. I'll try to look it up during the course of, the, of of this program.
1: Indeed. Well, I think one of the most profound statements that Jesus Christ made was in John chapter eight, verse fifty-eight, where he says, "Before Abraham was, I am," which more or less is equating himself to Melchizedek. And if I think, you know, if you break the term Melchizedek down, you know, meaning Prince of Salem or Prince of Peace, it makes a lot more sense in like Hebrews chapter seven, verse one, where it says, Consider this man how great this man is, without beginning, without end, without mother, without father, and the Melchizedek priesthood. So it's also another confirmation that Abraham was tithing you know, as well, and doing homage to Jesus Christ in flesh form, more or less, walking the earth. And that's why I think, you know, Jesus Christ is also considered the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world as well. Because, you know...
0: Well, he's the. Lamb, I believe that he is considered the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world because Yahweh knew before the foundation of the world, being God and having all... all um, pre-knowledge foreknowledge, that he was going to have to come as one of his own children sure. as, as one of his own sons to make atonement for the children of israel and, and there's a much larger biblical story that has to be understood um that there's a story that actually um transcends the boundaries of the bible if 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 i wanted to um some people will think i'm nuts for saying that but but it's just um clear that the first promise of redemption is in Genesis chapter 3. Sure. Lest the man reach out his hand and, and grasp the tree of life and live forever. And and even in the Revelation, Satan is called the accuser of our brethren, is cast down. And he was the accuser of Job.
1: Sure. And that was
0: long before the, the children, you know, the book of Job was probably written before the time of Abraham.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: And definitely before the time of, of the children of
1: Israel. It well, it's kind of interesting as well because Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter uh, 22, verse 16, where he straightforwardly testifies, he says that he's not only the offspring of David, but he's the root and offspring of David. And I think that's kind of important as well because Jesus Christ is not only the offspring or in the flesh of David, he's the creator of the race of David as well, being that root and exactly. that morning star.
0: And, and that's, that is um, from the prophets. I believe it's found in Isaiah. I probably have. Oh yes, it, it's. Um, I, I have a note on it here, and I. I don't think I wrote the verse where where it is, but, but I I ask in my notes the root and the branch of Jesse. How could he be the root and the branch of Jesse, and and that's a line from the prophecies. I I think it might be Amos.
1: Yeah, and, indeed.
0: And um, if he's the root and the branch. Then he – the root would be before Jesse, and the branch would be stemming from Jesse. That that is the picture that, that draws. Yeah. And the only way that could be is if, as he says in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat, the good seed, were planted by the Son of Man. Well, where are the good seed planted? If not in in the garden in Genesis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The
0: good seed has to be the Adamic race planted in the garden in Genesis.
1: The sons of God.
0: And and they were only created by Yahweh. And when you go read the Genesis account. So if he claims to be the planter of the good seed, he must be Yahweh. It in yes, the flesh.
1: Indeed. It's also another confirmation.
0: And that's the only way he could be the root and the branch of Jesse, is to be and, – and, and and that goes hand in hand with the question that the, – the rhetorical question he asks the Pharisees, that how come David calls him Lord if he is David's son? In other words, the son – the father should never recognize the son as being greater. Yeah. And, and in the paternalistic Hebrew society, that would be an incredible thing. But in this case, the son is also the father. That's the way it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it ties right into those prophecies as well that, you know, God himself would come upon Mary, you know, in spirit and she shall conceive, you know, and it's, that's where the whole term "son of God" comes in, and I know there's a lot of people that get real confused on that aspect as well. They say, uh, "No man has seen God at any time," which I think is interesting as well because if you break those verses down, it, it says, "No man has seen God any time." The son that Jesus Christ Himself hath declared Him, in John one eighteen or John chapter one verse eighteen, and if you break that down, almost every translation will say. More or less that Jesus Christ had made him known. And that Jesus Christ himself, it's it's another confirmation going back to the burning bush, where he says, I am that I am. And Jesus Christ said, I am, so many different times. I am the light of the world, you know, all the way back in the beginning. I am the way, the life, the truth. The list is endless, which also, you know, that's a whole other subsection of discussion right there, the whole I am aspect. Because that's another confirmation. At least I believe within the King James. Every time we can see that aspect, it's like the, uh, you know, the Hebraism of it.
0: Um, that's absolutely true, and I'm ser- as as you say this. I'm searching my notes because I actually have a quote on that from from Isaiah. And and it's um, Isaiah 43 10 to 13 from the King James. Ye are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, I am Yahweh, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? And, and I think that that's... um. Uh, I'm going to quote one more citation, and that's from Isaiah 52, 5 to 10. Therefore, now therefore, what I have here, saith Yahweh, that my people is taken away for naught. They that rule over them make them the howl, saith Yahweh, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he. That does speak. Behold, it is I. Now, in that day, that that seems to me to be a reference of the day of salvation.
1: Sure, sure. The second and, second advent.
0: He's saying that it is I speaking. And and to to me, when Christ says that before Abraham was I am, he's equating himself with the I am of the prophecies or the Yahweh of the prophecies.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and if you think about it, Jesus Christ as well, when he was being tempted of Satan in the wilderness, uh, he straightforwardly told him, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God," because the devil came along and and perverted Scripture concerning all the way back to Genesis three fifteen as well, where it talks about bruise your head, you know, crush your head, bruise his heel. Which I think is interesting as well, because Jesus Christ, when when the devil came along and tempted him, straightforwardly made no qualms. Get behind me, Satan! Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, and that also is is written back in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse sixteen. So it, uh, he was using the law as well to prove he was God to the devil.
0: Which absolutely, was... absolutely. And and he was the one being tempted, and and that's that's a very good. That's a very good thing to point out. I, I didn't even really think about that that way, but it wasn't Yahweh the devil was tempting; it was Christ. Yeah, I, I'd like to. Paul Paul explains several times that Yahweh was incarnated as Yahshua Christ, and and it's not clear in the King James translation. But if you check, the, you know, my translation, and and I could argue the difference. The difference is the use of, of a Greek. Um, a feature of Greek grammar called the medium voice. I see. And, and Philippians two seven, my translation says, "But he made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." Oh, I see. He's talking about, he's talking about Yahweh taking upon himself the likeness of men. That's flesh. Right. And mm-hmm. and that's that's a definite equation of of Christ to and Yahweh, that that Yahweh was coming the flesh as Yahshua Christ. Now now in Hebrews two sixteen Paul writes, for verily he took on him, not and this is from the King James, for verily he took on him not the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. My translation has he took upon himself the seed of Abraham. I see. Yeah. Now, how could he do that if he weren't Yahweh? Men are born. We we don't um, we don't have any conscious knowledge of choosing to come here or, or making ourselves of, of somebody's children. Yeah, you know. Oh, I think I'll, I'll come to Earth as as that woman's child over there. <laughs> you know, men can't do that.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Well, Indeed. we don't
0: have any ability to do that. And that's the
1: importance of the begets in the new, in the beginning of the New Testament is to denounce origin and purity, you know. And dual seedliners are able to understand that as well. That the devil was attacking that seedline at, from the beginning all the way on, and they still and he still is today.
0: Absolutely, over and over again, every day. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote my translation of um, Colossians two nine and ten. Watch that there is no one captivating you f- through philosophy and vain deceit in the accordance with the tradition of men, in the accordance with the elements of the society, and not in accordance with Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the divinity bodily. You are complete in him who is the head of all sovereignty and authority.
1: Indeed. Indeed, the head of all things. And God being one.
0: Right. There being one God, and Thomas calling him God. My Lord and my God, as John records, I think it's in chapter 19 or 20. And and that's, um you know, Thomas was never rebuked for that.
1: Indeed, and if you think about it as well, Jesus Christ must needs be God, else it would be a violation of the first commandment that Jesus Christ himself taught. And it's Judaism that comes along and, and accuses the Christians of having a graven idol in Jesus Christ. So that's kind of an interesting side note. You know, Jesus Christ has to be because we pray in his name. And I wonder where people get that sentiment, because if you break down Revelation or the marriage supper of the Lamb, judgment, the dividing of the goats from the sheep and so forth, I don't see a God beyond Jesus Christ in judgment at the second advent coming back with his vesture dipped in the blood of the saints as well. So it's kind of interesting how people believe there is a God beyond Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, and there truly isn't. It's Jesus Christ himself who judges all technically
0: at, at at two corinthians yahweh is called the spirit all throughout the the old testament at two at two corinthians 317 paul definitely equates that spirit with yahshua so they must be one that there's no separating them and and he he refers to himself as the son of man all throughout scripture and and i think that he's actually as Paul says, as Paul explains later, he's actually humbling himself because he is the Son of Adam in the yeah. flesh and and he did take that upon himself voluntarily
1: and, indeed yeah
0: and and he actually calls himself the son of man in a in a in a demeaning manner,
1: yeah, to show yeah exactly and that's a, that's, his,
0: to that's, show the the way he lowered himself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was going to point out the term son of God is technically really not that special a term as well, considering Job considers the sons of God to be angels. You know, chapter uh, Genesis chapter 6 as well. Satan was a son of God. Adam was a son of God. But Jesus Christ was God in flesh form.
0: Absolutely. And that yeah. would made it special. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing special about his existence. True. Perhaps that he didn't have a father, an earthly father. And there's nothing special about a sacrifice, except that He was God come in the flesh, that that took that upon Himself and did that for our benefit. For and and there's a, a much greater story that many people don't even understand because they refuse to see the divinity of Christ.
1: As well, and it's it's, it's kind of interesting as well because I see as much Christianity in the Old Testament as I see old you know the law in the New Testament, and I wonder what you know people consider like. Uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 25, where Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fiery furnace, and there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, and they ask him, what do you see? And he says, I see four people in there, and the fourth is like the Son of God. You know, once again, there's like a confirmation that Jesus Christ, with the brightness of his coming, you know, is the light of the world, is our protector as well. But, you know, he was all throughout the Old Testament as well, in glimpses.
0: Well, well, it's you know a lot of people tell me um they even people in they claim to be Christian identity take offense to the fact that that I consider the Old Testament to be nothing but Christianity before Christ. Yeah. And and there oh there's no Christians before Christ. Like, well, yes there are yeah. <laughs> about five thousand years worth.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The Old Testament
0: is not Judaism. It's not. It's not. I call it Hebrewism sometimes. to to make things clear and to distinguish it from from the commonly perceived judaism but it's actually christianity
1: yeah Yeah, it that actually shows the importance of it as well because all those old testament israelites were always looking forward to the coming messiah and by the old testament definition the messiah would be god in flesh form according to jeremiah isaiah and everybody else so they knew as well and we're looking forward to the coming of emmanuel god with us it seems like only lately, as far as Judaism comes in, which it denies Jesus Christ, or at least his divinity as God, that, uh, you know, this whole concept of Jesus Christ being separate and, you know, coming to do away with his Father's law and all of that, I don't, I don't ever read those imperfections within it. In fact, all the way back on, you know, on the, on uh, Sinai, it was uh, Yahweh himself or Yahshua who gave provisions for the coming prophet so it would being jesus christ who fulfilled those prophecies as well so jesus christ did fulfill quote unquote those laws pertaining himself but didn't do away with them either
0: i um i i you know a lot of people they they want to dispute about the the sayings of christ during his ministry where he consistently refers to the father as a, as a separate being and and I would reply that the realization that Yahshua Christ or Jesus Christ is Yahweh, is God is a Christian revelation meaning that it was to be realized by us at the fulfillment of his ministry.
1: Oh, indeed. Not,
0: indeed. He. He didn't come here to tell people that he was God. In fact, when his apostles realized that he was the Christ, he told them
1: to, to keep tell no quiet man. about it. Yeah, right? tell no man.
0: Because his his um, sacrifice had to be effected.
1: Indeed, and a lot of people come along and they get really confused by that, like the baptism. And there's several prophecies within John, several places within the gospel narratives where a voice comes from heaven. And it says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Or Jesus Christ saying, the Father is greater than I more or less meaning that, you know, outside of the flesh, his spirit is greater. But I don't, I don't really see the discrepancies within that. To me, it's not confusing at all. Jesus Christ and, you know, Yahweh in flesh form is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth, thus Yahweh God, can still speak to Jesus Christ. It's not a big confusion, you know. But I think a lot of people get real confused on that aspect because, well, they say, well, Jesus Christ can't be God because who's speaking from heaven? Well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's that easy you know for lack of a better term
0: well well right it's it's the many facets and and the the um the the majesty of of god that we can't understand it transcends the body of a man yeah all, all the being all the being that is god is the universe
1: yeah Indeed, and I think that's where the importance comes in because Jesus Christ claimed to be the light, or the son, and the son of righteousness. Without light, we would all die. You know, it's proving again that He's a living God. Absolutely. And in, yeah, and, and and pervert, you know, pertaining to the, these teachings as well. Like you were saying, it's uh, never mind.
0: <laughs> it, it's um, you know, you know, Revelation. I I have Revelations fifteen one to four here. And and I saw another sign, and this is um, this is my translation. So so I'm going to use prince instead of lord, and and I'm going to use Yahweh instead of Seos, because that's the way I have my translation. Okay. And and I saw another sign in heaven, great and wondrous, seven messengers having the seven last plagues, that in them the wrath of Yahweh is fulfilled. And I saw like a gl- like a glass sea mixed with fire, and those prevailing from the beast in his image. And from a number of his names standing upon the glass sea, holding leers from Yahweh. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Your works are great and wonderful, Prince Yahweh Almighty. Your ways are true and righteous, King of the nations. Now, wasn't Christ manifested to, to rule over the nations? Indeed. And, and Yahweh's the King of the nations. It says Theos. Theos is God. That's the King of the nations. Who should not be afraid, Prince, and honor your name, because you are the only holy one. How, How could that be taken to be two? Yeah. It can't be two. It's one, because all the nations shall come, and they shall worship before you, because your judgments have been made manifest. The revel- and this is the same book of Revelations where he says in 22:13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Beginning and the End, the First and the Last.
1: Indeed, just like Yahweh God in the Old Testament, and 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 indeed I believe as well there are several of Paul's epistles where he equates to God our Savior or uses it in that reference, where there's no qualms as well as far as Yahweh being our Savior or Yahweh giving up His flesh. And that's why I think the destructive belief or the no devil comes in, because when they come and say that Jesus Christ was tempted through his flesh or was imperfect, you know, instead of fulfilling prophecy like he should, it leaves open the premise that Jesus Christ wasn't perfect. And if he wasn't perfect, then he's not a perfect sacrifice. And, and, you know, the sacrifice was in vain.
0: Absolutely. I I have a lot to say, um, I don't know if if we're going to get into it right away, but uh, about the marriage relationship between Yahweh and Israel, and and to continue with the Revelation, I'd like to go to Revelation chapter 19, and and read verses 6 forward. And and I heard a sound like of many multitudes, and like a sound of many waters, and like a sound of many thunders, saying, Prince Yah, or, or I'm sorry, praise Yah, for Prince Yahweh the Almighty reign. And that's Theos, which I, I translate as Prince Yahweh, or, or the Lord God in, in the King James. We should be glad and rejoice and give honor to him because the wedding feast of the Lamb has come and his wife has prepared herself. And it is given to her that she is wrapped in bright linens. Now, I'd, I would like to quote something from Hosea two, seven. Excellent. And she shall follow after many lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better with me than now. Excellent. When Israel returns to Christ, Israel's returning to her first husband, which is Yahweh.
1: And that's the most excellent part about it as well, is the whole Old Testament narrative, Israel going a whoring after other gods. It is Yahweh God who gives us a bill of divorcement, but that's that fulfillment or the completion of the return is only through Jesus Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right. Because they are one and the same exactly.
0: Exactly, because we're not – the son isn't marrying his father's wife, yeah. as Winston likes to point out. The son is the father.
1: Yeah. Must needs be, else it would be adulterous. But it's interesting because those little, you know, aspects that the Judeo-Christian church grasps for, they aren't, they're not they are truly not written. They believe that, you know, they wouldn't even know the story of it, of Israel or the divorce and remarriage of her.
0: And that means they have no clue of the real story of redemption. Yeah. And if you ask the typical Judeo-Christian what that redemption means, they don't have an idea. You'll, you'll usually get a deer-in-the-headlights look.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as I've recently pointed out, they'll get offended. You know, a major, majority of the churches don't even study their Bible so much that if you were to ask a serious question like, uh, I thought Jesus Christ was an Israelite, they would get offended. And that's the importance of that. I think why Jesus Christ could tell Nathaniel, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. You know, he, it was all about the seed line for a long time. And it's quite exciting as well to understand that, you know, many of us have the same exact blood and the DNA running through our veins that Jesus Christ did. And, you know, that's where the whole topic of the sons of God and the sons of the, cho- or the children of the devil come in as well. Cause like you were pointing out earlier, it would have to be Jesus Christ to sow the good seed, seed meaning sperma all the way back in the beginning to be the root and the, the, branch of of jesse and and david
0: and and absolutely, and I'd like to cite paul again hebrews three three comparing Christ to Moses, Paul says, for this man, meaning Christ, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house, in other words, Moses is only a stone in the house, yeah, but Christ built it.
1: Yeah, and as well... Think, no
0: doubt. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you when you consider that line, Paul is saying that Christ is the one that built the house, meaning he must be Yahweh.
1: Exactly. And as well, if you think about the way Paul broke it down, the hierarchy of the Christian family as well, where he says the head of every woman should be the man, and the head of every man should be Jesus Christ. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't say the head of Jesus Christ should be Yahweh. It doesn't go any higher than that because the head, of course, would be, you know, the indwelling or the spirit as well. So, again, it goes back to Emmanuel, God with us, because we are parts of the many-membered body of Jesus Christ. But he himself is is or should be the head of that body, not a God above him. So that's kind of an interesting aspect as well.
0: I, um, I think I have that, that translation a little different. And I have to find the the verse that you're you're. I I believe that it's um. No, it's not that one. The head of the body is the assembly. Do you remember what verse you're you're quoting offhand?
1: Not offhand. I'm kind of like fitly joined.
0: Yeah, I'm searching through through my own translation. Well, the way I translate that verse is that the head of the man is the woman, and the head of the um the 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 head of the man is the anointed, meaning the the wider group. And, yeah. And and the head of the anointed is is Yahweh or or is Christ. I see. I I, I translate that a little differently. And I do that because often that word Christ refers to the the body of the the anointed is the body of Israelite believers. Sure, I, I have a tract on that. It, it, it's it's immaterial anyway. It doesn't um, either either way. It only lends credence. To that. Yeah,
1: as well. Well, and, and and that's where I think a, a lot of the confusion comes in because if I believe in a lot of ways, if you don't fully understand the concept of you know, Yahweh or the Spirit of God outside of the flesh being Yahweh and the Spirit of God in the flesh being Jesus Christ. And Because even Jesus Christ would claim to be the comforter or he would send the comforter. You know, if you don't really truly understand that, in a lot of ways, I think you hit and miss with Old Testament prophecy, especially the book of Isaiah, which is probably one of the most beautiful prophetical books because it deals almost exclusively with the coming Jesus Christ out of out of out of you Bethlehem Ephrathah shall come a savior. Is once again another confirmation that it would be God in flesh form.
0: Right, so, and and even Isaiah 53 is is actually a wonderful chapter, and and a, the entire chapter is a prophecy of Christ. I'd like to, you know John 14 um, verses 5 through 11. Thomas says to him, Prince, we do not know where you go. How do we know the way? Yahshua says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you should also know my Father. Even Indeed. now, you know and have seen him. How could he say that if he was just a man?
1: Indeed. Indeed. I think King uh, King James says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Which to me is like straightforward How how much more straightforward can you be? Right.
0: And and then they still don't get it. And Philip says to him, Prince, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. And Yahshua says to him, for so long a time I am with you and you do not know me, Philip? (laughs) How, How could you? He who has seen me, he goes on to say, he who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say? Show us the Father. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't understand. Yeah, you know he understands it, but he's making fun of almost Philip's question. How do you say that? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? None of us can can just say these, make these statements. Yeah. There isn't another man. Any any son of, other son of Adam can't just make these statements.
1: No, no, in fact, it would be absolute blasphemy according to Yahweh's law.
0: Absolutely. But he made them. Yeah. And he wasn't blaspheming a law. And he says, the words which I speak to you I do not say by myself, but the Father abiding in me it does his works. And and people have to understand that the body is only, the body is not you. It's your. It's a vessel for your spirit. Yeah. And the body of Yahshua Christ was the vessel for the spirit of, for Yahweh himself.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, the whole concept of when Jesus Christ says, you know, believe in my word and you shall never taste of death, or when the silver cord parts, you know, you're instantly with the Father as well, is because the flesh is nothing. It is truly just a vessel.
0: Right, and 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 a lot of Christians, a lot of people challenge on on that, oh, there are some people there that would never die. Does that mean they never died? Uh, And, well, the body may have died, but that's not really what death is. Not to a not to an Adamite, not to a child of Adam, not to a Christian.
1: That's true. And we're not to fear the fear them, our Christ taught not to fear them who can kill our flesh but our spirit. Fear God. It comes back to the whole duty of man once again. You know, and that's I think the beauty of Jesus Christ at the second advent, he's not coming as a babe, you know, in swaddling clothes. He's coming as an avenger <laughs> and to exercise judgment. You know, and-, and
0: and that's the Christ the Catholic Church doesn't want to see. No, <laughs> they want to see the nice, harmless little baby in the arms of the Virgin.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or the Virgin herself coming, and the Virgin. Well, well, it. yeah.
0: Most Catholics only want the Virgin. <laughs> All those Latin American and Mexican, I can guarantee it. Male and female, both. They only want the Virgin.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's why when they see like the Virgin Mary's face on the side of a barn, they'll go and make mass exoduses as well but you know i've been covering the gospel of mary and so forth some of the gnostic texts and it's kind of interesting because it does give food for thought because as well mary was supposedly according to the gospel of mary mary was well aware of what she was doing and what she was bringing forth as well because the the angel Gabriel appeared to her as well like he does in our gospels and more or less tells her the same exact thing that she's going to conceive of of x again denouncing origin of the holy spirit meaning that jesus christ spirit was conceived from yahweh himself and so it kind of proves the exact point that jesus christ is born of the holy spirit and that's why he is the divine comforter as well you know and the knowledge that's why i think later on in revelation he's equated to the the word or the Living Word as well, or the Word of God in Revelation nineteen thirteen.
0: Absolutely, He is the Word of God. He was the Word made flesh. Yeah. John chapter one. I mean, it all goes back to the fact it's the same thing. It, it's um, any anybody that um doubts uh, that that has all this laid out for them and doubts it is simply a disputer.
1: It yeah, is, exactly. Is
0: that they're either fleshly or, or they're Jews or they're following the Jews. Because yeah, because
1: it is definitely Judaism thing, that denies Christ.
0: Absolutely. And Judaism denies the essence of Christ. And and the people in the first century knew that to be the Christ meant to be Yahweh come in the flesh.
1: Indeed. Uh, I I'd like you
0: know, to get into the marriage thing a, a little bit. Sure. Because that's a very important aspect. And, and I'm, I'm going to say that, um, you know, we read in Jeremiah chapter, I think it's Jeremiah chapter 2 or chapter 3. Uh, Jeremiah is from Judah, and, and he's told to write a divorce certificate for Israel.
1: Sure.
0: A- after all, Israel was deported, Yeah, you know, people from Judah were still there. So since they were still around, somebody was there to write a divorce certificate. I see. But, but after Judah was deported, and, and a lot of people say, oh, Judah was never divorced. And I'm about to cite a verse showing that Judah was divorced, okay. but after Judah was deported, who was there to write the divorce certificate? There was nobody yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that, that would be my contention. Why there's no recorded divorce certificate for Judah or in the Bible?
1: Well, as well, if you think, if you don't mind me interjecting, it would go all the way back to Jesus Christ himself being tempted in the wilderness. It's kind of interesting how the no-devils will come along and say, oh, he was tempted by his own flesh. Well, how do they know that? Jesus Christ must needs be the word because there was no one there else there but Christ and, and Satan. Absolutely. Outside of maybe a few angels that strengthened him, according to the gospel narrative. So they'll come along and act like, what if, you know, Jesus Christ himself has to be the divinely inspired word to be able to transcribe that. So to argue with him saying that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, that's more or less Jesus Christ saying he created Satan. And it's ludicrous for him to even attempt to tempt God.
0: Absolutely. Well well I'm gonna read Jeremiah thirty three twenty four. States thusly, considerest thou not what this people have spoken, saying, The two families which Yahweh has chosen, he has even cast them off. Uh, he's saying that he cast off both families. Sure. And Zechariah ten six, and I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them again to place them, for I have mercy upon them, that they shall be as though I had not cast them off for i am yahweh their god and and he so he cast off judah as well as joseph sure and he's going to take back and and that's just secondary to this to this what i'd like to talk about the the um the marriage thing but i'd like to say this the son cannot die to free a mother from her marriage vow with the husband
1: true true
0: okay and in romans chapter 7 Paul gives a discourse about a marriage relationship under the law between a husband and wife. And it says in 7.1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of the husband. What what we have is that the children of Israel went off um, committing idolatry and and adultery with foreign gods, and they were all worthy of death. Indeed. But Yahweh took it upon himself to die instead. And that's what Paul explains in the first six verses of Romans chapter
1: 7. Yeah, absolutely. And that shows the absolute importance of the marriage supper of the Lamb you know, and the reconciliation of the bride to the groom and and so forth because you know it's Jesus Christ who does that and he has to be God in order to do it. And that that's a that's an absolute that's a very interesting aspect.
0: Right. Paul's not giving a discourse about um domestic relations.
1: Yeah. He's
0: speaking about the marriage relationship between Yahweh and Israel. And, and Christ in 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 Luke chapter 16, uh, I'll read 16 to 18 from the King James. Even the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of Yahweh is preached, and every man presses into it. And it is easier. And and Matthew, where Matthew says, records the same discourse, he says, and the violent ones press their way into it. All right. Yeah. And, and 17 says, and it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. Well, while Christ isn't changing the topic from domestic relations, from, from the kingdom of heaven and the law and the prophets. He's not all of a sudden talking about domestic relations.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's
0: talking about his relationship with Israel.
1: Yeah.
0: That, that he put away his wife, but he's not going to marry anybody else. So those men that are pressing their way into the kingdom, that they're not going to get into the wedding party. Yeah. It's not happening. And and he's saying that basically he, he's only going to remarry Israel.
1: Yeah, indeed, and that shows the exclusivity of Israel and why Jesus Christ said, I am sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and also why I believe as well the other five foolish virgins were of Israel proving that not all Israel will be reconciled to Jesus Christ during that marriage supper.
0: Right. The the other five versions, the, all ten versions were of Israel. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and five of them are going to suffer and die and in the fall of Babylon. That's, that's the way I look at it. But Indeed. I, I, I believe all ten versions were of Israel. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been described as
1: virgins. <laughs> That's true.
0: It just would have been um, <laughs> five virgins and five whores went with lamps.
1: That's to... <laughs> true, and it is it is interesting if you consider Jesus Christ being that word in a lot of ways. These simple truths, like even the name Yahshua, meaning you know Yahweh with us or Emmanuel God with us, is could be construed almost as, or as anti because it would be denying the word or denying Jesus Christ. In a lot of ways. And so it kind of proves where the, the thesis comes from, not being sola scriptura, because it's interesting how many people get thrown off, especially around this time of year as well, Christmas coming up with the whole nativity story and not even understanding what it's about and why he had to come in the flesh and through that bloodline to redeem his people, Israel, the kinsman redeemer. and And from what? A majority of Judaism or Judeo-Christianity teaches that Jesus Christ came just to do away with the law, and the law is the offense, so you've got to break the law intentionally for Jesus Christ to love you, more or less, and that's not why he came. Well,
0: well, right. He freed Israel from the law so that Israel would not be judged by the law.
1: Yeah. As But now, does, right. now
0: that we're forgiven and, and have been granted mercy, we should seek even more to want to keep his law. Yeah. That's our Christian obligation,,
1: which goes all the way back to Jesus Christ, I think in Matthew chapter five, verses seventeen through nineteen that you were mentioning until heaven and earth pass not one jot nor tittle shall pass from the law. Jesus Christ did not do away with the law or the Old Testament prophets, he only fulfilled those parts about his first advent, not the second, and so we can look forward to Obadiah's vision coming you know full circle, and when I, I, when I study out Obadiah. All I read is the day of the Lord, day of the Lord, it's Jesus Christ returning to remove those rudiments.
0: Absolutely. The the Lord of the New Testament and the Lord of the Old Testament, the where the where curios is used in the um in the Septuagint and where curios is used in the in the N T manuscripts of the Greek, they're the same being. Yeah. There's no difference.
1: Yeah, and I believe it's in Exodus, I believe chapter 13, where it states, Yahweh is a man of war, Yahweh is his name. So as well, even back in the Old Testament, it was equating Yahweh to God in the flesh as well. So it it definitely bolsters the argument of Jesus Christ saying, before Abraham was, I am. Because, you know, God's always been with us. So the, the beginning and the end, that which was and the beginning. Or that which will be, and, and also the right, the the root and the offspring of, of Jesse, the bright and morning star. It kind of proves why Lucifer, meaning bright and morning star as well, is an instead of Christ or an impostor. Think about it in that aspect as well. You, w- Lucifer, scripturally or the, or the devil, wanted to be God. That was his shortcoming. So it's also another confirmation that Jesus Christ is God because he's the bright and morning star as well.
0: Absolutely. And, and Hebrews, um, speaking about the death, he, Hebrews nine fifteen, Paul says, and, and this is probably my, this is my translation, and, and for this reason he is a mediator of a new covenant. So he's a mediator. So that from death resulting in redemption of the transgressions against the first covenant, those having been invited, meaning Israel, would receive the promise of the inter- eternal inheritance. And then Paul says in 16, Hebrews nine sixteen, For where there is a testament, it is necessary to endure the death of the testator. A testament is certain in death, since never would it avail when the testator lives. So Christ is the mediator, but he's also the testator. Yeah. As the son, he's the mediator, and as the father, he dies on the cross as the testator.
1: Yeah. And another interesting aspect about that as well, I believe, is if all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, in the Garden of Eden, you know, it's another confirmation as well because if the serpent was in the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, well, the tree of life was there as well, which is also proof, you know, that Jesus Christ is God because it was during that time Yahweh walked with Adam and Eve and walked with Enoch. So those two decisions were placed there in the beginning. Which are death and life. And Jesus Christ, you know, offers eternal life, and death is another name for Satan.
0: That's a good analogy.
1: Yeah, just food for thought. But it's kind of interesting because Jesus Christ, in order to even make the claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life, just that statement, or the bread of life, is proof again that he's God because who else can give us life but Almighty God? You know, not a man in the flesh, that's for sure. <laughs> So it, it's interesting, and that's why I think a lot of people get real confused because Judaism has it gridlocked, and they'll tell you these little stories, and it's part of Judaism their hippie, liberal image of Jesus Christ, just you know coming along and and who's more or less a coward. It's kind of interesting because Jesus Christ didn't do away with anything from the Old Testament per se outside of the statutes, but Judaism teaches, you know, or Judeo Christianity teaches that Jesus Christ came to do away with Yahweh's mistakes. And Yahweh didn't make any mistakes; it was always Israel. Well, well
0: right, and Judaism also doesn't teach a devil, and that's because they are the devil.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they
0: don't. They masquerade pretty good when when they they um, until somebody admits that they're the devil, and that's why they don't teach that there is one.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I'd like to go from um, uh, you know, there's something very um, uh, that's that sticks out in John chapter twenty. That, that I didn't get into talking about John before. And, and I'd like to read John, um, I'll just read John 20, 20 um, verses 27 and 20, 28 and 29. Then he says to Thomas, bring your finger here and look at my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and you must not be faithless, but faithful. Thomas replied and said to him, my prince and my God. Yeah. Now Exactly. that that. He, he says, um, Joshua says to him, "Because you have seen, because you have seen me, you believe." That's how he responds to him. Blessed are those not seeing and believing. In, in other words, that's how he responded to being called God. Yeah. By telling Thomas, "Because you have seen me, you believe." Not telling Thomas, "Whoa, hold it! There's only one God, and He's the Father."
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's not what he told Thomas.
1: Exactly, and I think that's the importance of it, is that, you know, Thomas was considered doubting Thomas. If doubting Thomas can believe for seeing, seeing at least the holes in Jesus' hand and knowing that Jesus Christ is God, it stresses the importance of understanding who Jesus Christ is, you know, by deity and who he was being God for us who, quote-unquote, can't see. Right,
0: And, and with that, I'd like to go right to John 14. Verses 21 and 20, 22. Uh, I'm sorry, just verse 21. He having my commandments. He calls the Ten Commandments, my commandments. Yeah. And keeping them is not he who loves God, is he who loves me. That's what he says. He having my commandments and keeping them is he who loves me. Yeah. Then he goes on. Then he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. But he says something really... Um, Really good right here, and I shall love him and make myself manifest to him. Not make the Father manifest. Yeah. To him. Make myself manifest to him. He is the Father. That's the only way any of that could stand. It. Otherwise, it's all blasphemy. Yeah. It's all blasphemy because it violates the um, the the one God commandment.
1: Yeah, the very first and chiefest commandment that Jesus Absolutely. Christ taught, as well. And that's what was interesting as as far as this whole teaching or the deity of Jesus Christ is I believe Jesus Christ was able to teach on such a level, he would teach to the masses like on the Sermon on the Mount to where everybody could understand exactly the way he wanted them to. It's written there, and no matter how many times people can read it, they'll still read into it what they want to see. I mean, understanding Emmanuel means God with us, and Jesus Christ, that's his name a lot of times is not enough because people will keep going on and on i know john as a gospel is the most explicit as far as expressing the fact that jesus christ was god and that sentiment is also mirrored in john's epistles as well
0: and it's all over paul yeah i mean i read it four or five times here from paul and, and you're right john is the most explicit of the gospels there's no doubt but but john was all also the last gospel written it's not a synoptic gospel. It's written from a very different perspective as the other gospels. Yeah, and, and all of that, uh, it makes it better for us. It's not by any means to be doubted because, I mean, the, the writer of the Revelation can't be doubted. Only a fool would doubt the writer of the Revelation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, especially when that's the only true gospel of Jesus Christ that he actually, supposedly...
0: Well, right, but I mean the way the revelation is unfolded in history, right to a T, in so many aspects. Yeah. And, and and I'm I'm going to say I'm going to repeat something I said a couple of weeks ago. Prophecy doesn't exist so that we could read read and understand it, and determine all future history from it, because we can't determine the future even with the prophets. But once it's fulfilled, and and we see the perfection of its fulfillment in history. Because we understand the symbols and we've done the, the, the appropriate study, that then it's very clear the prophecy exists to prove that to prove that God is true. Yeah. There's enough history written in the prophets to prove that God is true. That that once we see its fulfillment, we know that that the God of the Bible is indeed God.
1: Exactly, and there are examples, just like I believe Paul says, and so we should be able to understand that what's happening in America today is the result of being unruly and disobedient to his word. And on the same token, it was Jesus Christ who came to be our perfect example of how, how you know, you can do it in the flesh. And I believe that's why Jesus Christ taught greater miracles than these could you do, and you have greater powers than I. Because if you really break down what Jesus Christ did, at least in my opinion, there are things that we should be able to be doing anyway. You know, restoring sight to the blind and and he, You know, raising the dead, at least those that are spiritually. And so Jesus Christ was straightforwardly, came through the flesh and did it, and was the perfect propitiation or the sacrifice. He had to be perfect. And that's why, you know, it's ludicrous to suggest that the devil is is Jesus' flesh and and so forth. The
0: whole devil, is they're just out of their (laughs)
1: mouths, their
0: minds. The whole devil is the flesh crowd. It's out, out of their minds. They, because it's if, if yeah the word became flesh then then the word became the devil it, yeah it, the, the whole theology is just nuts I, yeah. I don't understand it at all that those people are just mad that that's the only explanation I have
1: that indeed and that's what I was going to point out as well is that you know Jesus Christ during the actual crucifixion I think it's transcribed in the Gospel of John that the you know the heavens quote unquote opened up and there, there appeared angels strengthening him. And that's why I think a lot of the whole, you know, people get confused with the term Lord of the Sabbath or God of hosts. If Jesus Christ is God, well, he's also God of hosts or overload, overlord of the entire spiritual realm, which goes all the way back to him being the head.
0: Right. And, and the, the the devil is the flesh crowd. They they deny all of that. Yeah. They denied it. They're modern-day Sadducees.
1: Indeed, that's the yeah, only absolutely.
0: explanation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they deny the spiritual realm. And I believe a majority of them are the ones who are teaching that when you die, you go in a hole in the ground and, and so forth. Because, you know, Jesus Christ never really taught that. He taught about a second death and judgment, but Jesus Christ more or less taught, you know, just like he did John, first and foremost, if you love me, keep my commandments. And secondly, if you keep my commandments, you'll never taste of death if you believe in me.
0: Right. And, and that taste of death, you know, people don't understand it. The, the body is a vessel and it's nothing. Yeah, the spirit within it is the real us, and and Yahweh is the God of Abraham, and He's the God of Isaac, and He's the God of Jacob, but He's not the God of the dead; He's the God of the living, and that can be said because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they live. Their, their bodies, their their vessels, their earthly vessels might have passed two thousand years ago. I'm sorry, four thousand years ago, but they live. Yeah, and and that's the Christian hope. As Paul says, if in if only in this life we have hope of redemption, then we're the most miserable of all people.
1: Yeah, and I believe it goes all the way back to the you know, the very first trick of the devil in a way, because he was the one who whispered into Eve's ear in the garden and said, Yea, hath God said, For in the day you touch you shall not surely die. And so there's the whole teaching, Jesus Christ is life. If you abide within Jesus Christ, you abide within his light, you're abiding within life. The opposite of death, which once again is proof that he's God, so it's amazing how it, the parallels it goes around and round because the scripture as a whole, you know and the Apocrypha, especially many of the parts of the Apocrypha, like the prayer of the three children and so forth, are also confirmations you know, and that's where I think a lot of those got chopped was because they proved that uh the deity of christ as well and the and the literal the actuality of the devil fell on the dragon and so forth
0: absolutely that they, they are i mean the great red dragon is esau
1: yeah the, 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 yeah. the great
0: red jew
1: absolutely. i mean they
0: are the dragon and the devil and satan and, there you man. go
1: and there's obama you know making alliances with red china and <laughs> and he's one of them yeah he is anti to the core one. exactly and that's that's the thing you know it is muslim you know, him coming out last week or whatever and publicly admitting he was Muslim as well. I mean, that's something I think people should remember is that this is an Antichrist to the core, and, and Antichrist is going to deny Jesus Christ. And at no point, you know, at this point, especially in the game and in history, I think it's very important to understand which God it is we're serving and in whose God in whose name we're praying. You know, it was Jesus Christ who said, no man come unto the Father except by, or meaning through, me, you know, It's him. Period.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, and you know, I gotta. You know, I don't really. They're part of the controlled opposition. Glenn Beck and Savage and all those clowns on talk FM talk radio, yeah, talk radio. Glenn Beck. They're definitely clowns. They're not for real. But they all said that Obama was a Muslim back in two thousand and
1: eight. Yeah.
0: And they were ignored, and they were ridiculed, and mainstream people didn't pay them any mind. And they all went, 40 million of them at least, 40 million white people had to vote for Obama. I don't care if you had 20 million people votes in vote fraud, 40 million white people had to vote for him to get him in.
1: Indeed, and Obama actually swore in as president on a Koran or a Muslim Koran. And still the world sits back in shock and they're amazed to find out he's Muslim. It's like they didn't want to believe in Obama being you know a perfect devil was telling the world he was racist and anti-christ and i feel in a lot of ways especially with the hate crime bill now we're feeling the effect of that because what's going to happen when they start saying you know you can't say jesus christ is god because the the jews themselves like you pointed out profess to be a god in a lot of ways atheism and bolshevism and all of those things
0: absolutely and their own messiah
1: yeah and so their number one enemy is actually if you think about it the two biggest enemies historically to the jews are Jesus Christ and Hitler, and those two people, and a lot of, are the the two, two people that G, that the enemy wants to control at least the image of Holocaust revisionism and the New Testament. That's why the New Testament is illegal in Israel and so forth.
0: Oh yeah, you could get five years in prison for trying to proselytize a Jew in Israel. Yeah, and and Christians just keep sending them money. Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely disgusting. And and I put an article on, on, on my website the other day and, and the article is right from the um the World Jewish Council website. Wow. And and I titled I retitled it, Jews and Muslims A Match Made in Hell. <laughs> All right. But basically the the um it it's it's Jews bragging about how mosques and synagogues in North America and Europe are twinning. Yeah, you know, twinning meaning meaning having a special relationship with okay. each other. Uh, a synagogue and a mosque will team up, and they'll exchange people to to speak and and things like that, and and get this feel good attitude. I mean, cities usually do it. You know, cities in America and Europe usually do it as, as a political ploy. But but these are mosques and synagogues twinning, and and one of this Jewish rabbi says uh, about the Jews and the Muslims. Not only do we share a common faith, but we share a common fate. Oh, wow. And, and I would agree with them. Yeah. Jews and Muslims do indeed have a common religion. <laughs> yeah. And they do indeed have a common fate. They're all the same antichrist children of Cain and Canaan and Esor, Esau, Esau, uh, with a bunch of other races mixed in. And and here it comes out of their own mouths.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and their their fate is is definitely faithfully transcribed by the living word right there in Obadiah, the downfall of Edom, and that's the beauty of it all is that every word of of Scripture will come to pass, every word of prophecy will come to pass exactly as it's written, and the prophecies of Isaiah are no different. When they, when it says unto us a child is given, and he shall be the mighty God, mighty Savior, my and ch- ch- Chancellor, and so forth. You know, it means exactly what it means, and those were the exact prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled.
0: Absolutely. And and in turn, when John says that in the beginning was Yahweh, and and Yahweh was the Word, and and the Word was made flesh, that means Yahweh equals the Word equals Yahshua Christ.
1: (laughs) Which equals, yeah, God in flesh form.
0: (laughs) A A equals B equals C. There's no way around that. If A equals B and B equals C, then C equals A. There's no way around that. That's very simple, um eighth grade logic.
1: Exactly. And the whole belief that, you know, because yeah, it's been said, yo, well, Jesus Christ was God once he was 12 or once he was baptized. Again, if it's pointed out, at least scripturally, Jesus Christ was our perfect example. And that is why there was a voice from heaven. That is why he was baptized. That is why he was tempted. And that is why he went through everything that we had to go through and overcame it.
0: Well, well, to me, when the Spirit descended from heaven on the Christ, that, that was the, the first deposit of, of what descended upon the apostles. And, and it was symbolic. Yeah. It was symbolic that he was the first fruit, that he was the first one to receive the deposit of the Spirit.
1: Which brings up a good point as well, is because uh, scripturally it's considered the Spirit like the dove, or Spirit like a dove, descending and ascending on the head of Christ at baptism, which goes all the way back to Noah... And the ark, you know, and the flood that came upon the world of the ungodly at that time, and Noah unleashing the the uh, the spirit like the dove, which I think is interesting as well. An ark could even be correlated straight across the board as well as being, you know, as we know, representative of the law as well, and the waters being people. So it goes really deep as far as Jesus Christ, you know, being throughout all of the Old Testament.
0: Right. There, there's a lot of symbolism in the New Testament that that's derived directly from our history, the history of our race.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think what I'm trying to point out is that all of these things are examples so that when the spirit, like the dove, ascends and descends, you would understand that Jesus Christ is God. Or at least had his, you know, was all the way back in the times of Noah, before Abraham was, I am.
0: And, and I think that most of the disputers... Even the ones in my forum are, are simply too wrapped up in materialism, and and too wrapped up. If they if they're not um, spurious to begin the with, they're, they're way too wrapped up in materialism and the material world, and equating a material. You know, the the human body cannot possibly contain all of the essence of of Yahweh.
1: Sure. Well that's why he was made lower than the angels as well. Jesus Christ Bye. in the flesh was separated from God, and it is the same exact way with us. That's why there is no rot and hole in the ground. We go back to the spirit returns to the Father and we're back in the body. Is because the spirit the flesh is actually the separator. And I think the flesh man will come along and say, Well, see, the devil told Adam and Eve they wouldn't die and they didn't rightfully die, but they did. It took a long time, but they did die a physical and most likely a spiritual death in a lot of ways because they forfeited, you know, eternity in paradise.
0: and paradise. And and that's why Jude calls the um, the children of the of the adversary he calls them twice dead. Yeah. Because when their bodies are dead, they're dead spiritually as well. And, yeah. And that's why he calls them clouds without water,
1: carried about by every wind of doctrine as well. <laughs> because yeah, it's true. It's true, a lot of these are dogmas it doesn't matter, and that's the one thing that that amazes me is it doesn't matter how many times it's written and how many different ways it's written and I've covered i don't know how many gospels and books and especially from the New Testament line by line it doesn't matter how many different ways it's it's said, a lot of people just plainly refuse to see it because they don't they can't make the separation I suppose, but you know Jesus Christ was a little lower than the angels. He was a little lower than Yahweh because he was in flesh form just like us as well. And that's where James, I believe as well, where it comes in and says, a man is tempted through his flesh. Well, you know, there has to be a tempter there. And that goes to what, you know, after Jesus' baptism, being tempted by the devil. He may have been tempted through his flesh as any man would be, but he was tempted by a tempter, you know, who is...
0: Absolutely, and that's, you know... Well, my, epi- my my writing um Sin in the First Epistle of John is is a um shows that we, we it's it's not the, the man who is tempted and sins who's at fault. It it's the author of sin who is who has the most fault. Yeah. And and we've all been tempted by the devil. But we all failed. And he didn't. Yeah. And he's the only one that didn't.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And he had to be perfect. And that's the point. In order to be a sacrifice,
0: right? That's a sign of his perfection.
1: Yeah, and it'll. And that's the thing I think. In a lot of ways, to deny his place within the Godhead, or to n- deny his position, it can cause people to go down, you know, a whole other road of self-justifications as to why it was. You know, you can think even all the way back to in the beginning of the Nativity of st- story when the census goes out and. You know Joseph and Mary having to go back. It's almost a reverse exodus of the children of Israel going back across the same desert, you know, to bring forth Jesus Christ. So everything does come full circle, and I believe as well that's why it says in Revelation the great devil was cast out, the serpent of old, he and his angels with him, and the, and the apparent reason why everything comes full cir- circle. The word is completely perfect, just like Jesus Christ said, and it's only the word that is true. John 17:17. 17, 17 and that again is a confirmation that Jesus Christ is God in his own mouth because again we know he said I am the way the truth and the life that's a huge claim to make if it wasn't true
0: you're right absolutely that is a huge claim to make and it has to be true and and all the claims in the new testament concerning the divinity of Christ have to be true and and none of the other statements refute them that they, they it's just refuted because the the um The understanding of of the men reading them fail
1: yeah yeah and I believe it's uh, in Ephesians or Galatians it talks about all things being created for him and by him and without him referencing Jesus Christ was not anything that was made and it talks about thrones principalities and so forth dominions and so right there it's more or less explaining to you in a straightforward way that Jesus Christ is the creator of all spirits, all every principality, every angelos, every archangelos, and so forth. I wonder how the no devils wriggle out of arch archangelos, but nonetheless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I I had um when Clifton started his um, diatribe against Mark Downey.
1: Oh, he had, did he really?
0: He, he oh
1: yeah he oh a great, I remember that yeah a, the multi part um, series sure yeah
0: yeah you know he used Mark Downey as as the focal point. For for his early attacks on on the on the no Satan people, <laughs> and and um, it, it's when he, when he started that he, he had me read a couple of the, and and it wasn't any of Mark's writing but it, it 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 he 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 had sent me a couple of things from the no devil people from, from the no Satan people, and and I read this one by this one booklet signed by somebody called Calamus. K-A-L-A-M-O-S. They they won't write their real names in most of these people. They sure. These books. But but it was some of the it, – it just twisted everything in Scripture.
1: My bad. It, it,
0: it was incredibly perverted. And and I don't remember how they address Archangelos in, in particular, but, you know, they just pervert everything in Scripture. It, it's some of the, the mental gymnastics these people want yeah. go through to prove that there's no devil except the flesh. It's just incredible.
1: And it is interesting, as you pointed out as well, because the two enemies technically of, the, of Christ when he walked were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so it's no different for dual seed lying because we have the Edomite Pharisees on one end being our enemy. And I believe in a lot of ways we have the imposter no devil crowd being the Sadducees working from the other end denying angels and you know the spiritual realm and resurrection. So, you know, there really truly is no new thing under the sun, you know, the things that Jesus Christ dealt with, we as well dealt with. And I think that's the beauty of it all is that God in flesh form can come and prove that he, as a perfect example, what we will go through. As I pointed out before, a lot of times they can't come against us scripturally, you know. Because it's written, that's what it says, but it doesn't stop them from coming along and slandering it or believing in it, for that matter. Believing, oh, Jesus Christ is just the Son of God, that equates them to the level of the devil. And many people believe that as well, I might point out, in Judeo-Christianity. They actually believe that Yahweh, not even Yahweh, but they believe there's God, and God has two sons, one good, one bad. Jesus is the good son, and and Satan is is the bad son.
0: And and that's that's total Judeo-Christian pap. That actually covers for the Jews.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it leaves open the premise that the Jews are God's chosen.
0: Or 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 at least that they can fall into one camp or the other. Yeah. And and actually they are Satan.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they'll be justified. You know And and
0: nowhere are they called the sons of God. Because <laughs> even the angels that sinned in um Genesis chapter six that that I I have a long paper on my website that more or less proves that That should probably be sons of heaven and not sons of God.
1: Oh wow, which is, which is a, which is very fitting as well because sons of heaven, you know, are the sons of Belial, the children of Belial. I mean,
0: well, right, Mark, exactly. It, and if they were the sons of the rebellion, and, yeah. and if Adam, if the sons of Adam went into the daughters of men, what would be the problem?
1: Yeah, that's because that's where men is Adam is the whole scriptures replete with, you know, the preservation of, of Israel's seed and genetic, you know, genetic perfection in a lot of ways, and these terms like the sons of God, but it has no qualms whatsoever calling a mamzar a bastard, you know, or pointing out the mixed races. So, I mean, it's obviously the, the flesh, at least as far as, you know, who the covenant is made with, because the covenant is the law. And thus we understand why Jesus Christ himself would teach that law. He didn't do away with the law. And so they'll come along in Judeo-Christianity, a lot of them, and they'll say, well, you should only follow, you don't have to follow the law at all, you only have to follow the ten commandments, but throughout the Gospels, for the most part, Jesus Christ would teach one or two here, or six over here, but he never taught all ten in one sitting. Jesus Christ taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that the law was eternal period and and then that's further confirmed by John as well, where he says all sin is a transgression of the law, and so that's the debate we have in a lot of ways with the judeo Christians is they don't even understand what sin is, and when you when you ask them why did Jesus Christ die, what was the sacrifice for you know then they get all flustered and they don't understand what it
0: was
1: <laughs> you know it's to free you from sin
0: yeah and and that's how are you want how are you how do you have sin in the first place if you're not a child of Israel?
1: Yeah, that's that's true,
0: and and that that would fluster them equally as well. That they really, I mean, the, he came to redeem those under the law. Who who is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's something I've I've pointed out as well. Jesus Christ came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Instructed his disciples to go only to lost sheep of the house of Israel. The entire Old Testament is about the old uh, about the house of Israel. So where do the Judeo Christian crowd get in get off? You know, going on and on about being Gentiles. They must understand that Jesus Christ never came for them from His own mouth. So we have to contend for that birthright, not be like Esau. We have to be Israel. That's the whole point. You know what I mean? To be covenant man or to follow the law.
0: Right. We have to contend to it to show our forefathers that that their contention that we're worthy of it.
1: Yeah. To honor my, thy, you know, our mother and father.
0: Right. Because Jacob contended for it.
1: As well as we should be.
0: He he should set the he set the example for us.
1: Yeah, he be. had to
0: contend for it, and and he had to deal with Esar, and he wrestled with the angel, and and that shows what we're up against. That's a model. That's a type for what we're up against.
1: That's true. That's true, and it's it's amazing how a majority of them come along, and I think that's the danger of dismissing the spiritual realm as well, because you know, Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of the host, and God being overlord of all of it. You know, when they start tossing out these dogmas, I believe that the Jesus being God is one of those that gets tossed out as well. Because they say there's no devil, well, Jesus Christ can't be God as well, you know, he's on the he's just a flesh man. And I've right. actually heard right. people like Mark Downey say that, where they'll say, well, hey, someone will ask him, and they'll go, hey, what is it, why was Jesus Christ being tempted by the devil? And he'll say, oh, well, he was just tempted by his own flesh. And that to me is blasphemy. Yeah, I mean that's that's blasphemy to me. So,
0: right, because he had to be perfect in the flesh. Yeah, and and when you go back to the Old Testament law, again and again, it'll tell you that the lamb being sacrificed has to be without spot or blemish. Yeah, absolutely, it has to be perfect. And, and the Levitical priests cannot; they had to be without spot or blemish, or or they were relegated to some other detail. They weren't allowed to give sacrifices in the temple. That's true. I mean, the, the smallest mole might disqualify you from giving a sacrifice in the temple.
1: Exactly, and I think there's there's a whole other important you know sub discussion right there as far as the temple, because at the you know at the crucifixion, the veil of the temple was rent too. Well, that's Yahweh's temple, you know, at the exact point of the actual crucifixion or Jesus Christ giving up the ghost. Absolutely. And, and so that also could be construed as another confirmation. That now Jesus Christ had laid down for one in all time, and man now had bold access to God. And that is why I believe Jesus Christ, in a lot of ways, says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In a lot of ways, man is, a, you know, they were more accountable. People like Thomas, they were able to see it. But it's up to us to have faith within the Word.
0: Absolutely. We're, we're, we're to believe it without having actually seen it. That's. Yeah. He, he who did not. He. Who has not seen shall understand. It's part
1: of the prophecy, though. Yeah, and it's like you, you, know, you pointed just, out, it's one God, you know. And Paul reiterates it as well. There's one baptism, there's one body, there's one faith. There's that's how it's supposed to be because it's right back to Exodus and the original law and the very first commandment. The Lord thy God is one God. And so absolutely,
0: I, and to, he, and to free Israel from the law of the husband. Because if you read the laws in Deuteronomy, I have it explained in a paper I wrote called The Divorce Discourse. Yahweh cannot take Israel back because Israel was divorced and played the harlot.
1: Yeah, that's true. Only if, it...
0: if he dies to free Israel from that law can Yeah, he take Israel back.
1: That's true. I, I believe the, yeah, the law was written so that when a man gives a bill of divorcement and she goes out and remarries or even if she doesn't, he can never remarry her again right as well yeah
0: unless he dies that then it, that law is fulfilled and that's how he fulfilled the law
1: exactly and was able to reconcile Israel to himself or overcome exactly. the works of the devil which i think is another important aspect because i pointed out you know as as we know in the new testament it points out that jesus christ was manifest and and came to destroy the works of the devil which goes all the way back to the works of the devil in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. So it shows the importance of seed line as well, you know, and those two decisions that were placed there. It always has been. And I think that's why, you know, the Lamb's Book of Life in Revelation, it correlates perfectly with the the Tree of Life and, and Genesis. Because many many are sealed, you know, many are called, many are chosen, few there be that find it as well, so... Is a small remnant within the remnant, and those are the ones that are found worthy within Yahweh, or at least understood it. I mean, when Peter came up and said, Thou art the Messiah, quote-unquote, the Son of the living God, you know, Jesus Christ was greatly pleased with him. But again, he said, If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, keep my commandments. He never made a differentiation. And another thing that should be pointed out is that no time, I believe, within Jesus Christ's ministry did he ever refer to Yahweh as God he always called him father, outside of him quoting Eli, Eli and Almashabbas on the cross, which was the twenty second Psalm. So for right. the most- I,
0: I have you know, I really have a um a different spin on that, and I can't prove it, but I have a theory on that verse. Oh really? Right. Because e- Eloy can yeah. can can it can mean my God but it can also be taken to mean simply um my judges. Oh, I see. And and what if he didn't, what if the, uh, I'm going to really stick my neck out. What if the apostles, as they often did, misunderstood him?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be far removed. uh...
0: And and what if he was really talking about the people that condemned him? My judges, my judges, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Why have you left me here? In other words, it's a challenge to the people that condemned him. And and I, I, I can't, when I do my Matthew notes, and my Matthew and Mark notes, I'll write about it, but I can't prove it. I wouldn't teach it as, as, as um, you know, as the correct interpretation of Scripture.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: But I would teach it, at, you know, bring it up as a possibility.
1: Well, is kind of interesting as well is because the, the whole statement, Eli, Eli, Lama, you know, he's quoting the very first verse in the 22nd Psalm, going all the way back to David, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, proving once again that he was the son of David or that root, root of Jesse, which to me is really exciting to see that God is in control. And at every aspect, even in apostasy, even when we fall aside, even in times, God's in absolute control of it all. And that's where the whole... Predestination comes in, I believe, because people get all thrown off on that as well. You know, the concept of free will, free choice, and, and predestination. But God is absolutely in control, and God knows everything. That's why there's always been two decisions, life and death. The children of Cain, you know, the children of Israel had it in the when they were going into the Promised Land as well. Joshua told them this day, you know, if your God be Baal, let it be Baal. But if it be Yahweh, you know, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And so it's beautiful, because the choice is really there. If you're not choosing Jesus Christ, the life, you're going to be choosing death. And Jesus Christ, again, is the only one that can give us eternal life. So if you even think about it in a secular level, the Judeo-Christians will believe that God gives us life, but Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. So the rewards of Jesus Christ are greater than God, you know, which and no one can be higher than God. So Jesus Christ is God once again.
0: Must be and there's probably a thousand other ways to demonstrate it, yeah, it, I, I mean, yeah, you
1: could talk about it forever
0: I hope that we've made it um convincing yeah uh, and, and and that's all I could say is if people that aren't supposed to see it are never going to see it,
1: yeah, and the same could be said for anything in scripture that's what Paul said, those who are unlearned they and unstable, they wrestle with a lot of scriptures. And it doesn't matter. I mean, they'll believe in, in rapture, and it's not written. They'll believe the Jews are God's chosen, it's not written. Well They'll also believe that Jesus Christ is somehow separate than God, and he really isn't. He's a part of God, just like the devil and we are, or should. Right.
0: And, and somebody said in my forum that that it only takes um, <laughs> well, one verse to show that they're different, and, and I would say that that is is um, the definitely the wrong philosophy. Yeah, because it only takes two or three witnesses to show that they're the same, and that your understanding is poor of the other verses. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. And and it's part of the Christian, re- the revelation of Christianity to realize that Jesus Christ is God. Yeah, it, it's basically He did not come here to say I'm God and you're going to kill me. Uh, that's not the purpose of His ministry. Yeah, that you know was uh, was not to front the Jews. It was to reveal their evil. In a way, but he had to die, and, and he wasn't he, – he didn't come here to be a braggart. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? He came here to die.
1: Exactly, and I think another way of pointing that out as well is like the, uh, the pork crowd. You know, people who want to justify eating pork – They'll go on and on and on, grasping for acts or grasping for some other New Testament command, but not understanding that God said, don't eat pork. Don't eat pork like four times in the Old Testament. If God wanted you to eat pork, he would plainly say, go ahead and eat pork. Well, the same could be said for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ made hundreds of confirmations that he was God, but at no time did he say he was not. And so that's kind of interesting as well, because people will believe in it, but never once did Jesus Christ say he didn't when his disciples, like you pointed out, found out about it or discovered it, he would tell them to be quiet, but he never told them they were wrong. Right. And so there is no verse saying that he is not God, but there are several verses saying, many verses saying that he is God, even down to his very name.
0: Right. And in despite of all the references to the Father and all the references to the Son, because he is the Father and he is the Son. Yeah. He's both. And and that's, you know, they can't understand that. And it only takes a little abstract thinking
1: that, that he's the
0: father who could come as the son. You know, that that's not hard to figure out. No,
1: it <laughs> and, really And is. then
0: all the other verses are, are also correct because they can't be wrong. Uh, I mean, the word is made flesh is Yahshua Christ. Uh, you know, that can't be wrong is God. I, I mean, that's that equation in John chapter one cannot be detracted from.
1: That's true. That's true. Here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. It has to align perfectly. And there are no inconsistencies in Scripture, I believe. You know, it's our job to, to seek them out, you know, the glory of God to conceal a matter and the duty of saints to seek it out. And I believe the whole Yahshua is Yahweh teaching is one of those things. Because once you understand it and once you embrace it in a lot of ways, it will open up so many other facets of Scripture and levels of understanding And I guess the same could be said with anything in Scripture, because the Word is truly pregnant. It is alive. That's why no man can ever master it. We just grow and grow and grow in wisdom.
0: Absolutely. And growing in wisdom necessitates the acceptance of of the wisdom of God, not the philosophy of men.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I believe, you know, in short, Jesus Christ is God, but, you know, the whole belief that Jesus Christ is not God, of course, comes from Judaism. And that's what we've seen as well, as I've noticed in the early Church Fathers, and even in some of the works of Martin Luther, there were no qualms about it. You know, Martin Luther would point out exactly what the Talmud teaches, and exactly that the Jews would deny him and his position, and and what they would teach that he was the son of a, you know, a Roman soldier and a Galilean whore. Yeah, right. And and, and
0: denying that Christ is God is basically denying Christ. Yeah, because the idea of a Messiah, as Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah 9 makes perfectly clear, is the idea that God would come as one of his own sons.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's what all the Old Testament patriarchs and the Old Testament Israelites were looking forward to, and what Jesus Christ fulfilled. And and that, in a nutshell, in a lot of ways, is the entire Bible story. And that's where the importance, I believe... Of understanding who Yahshua Messiah is comes in because he is not separate from the Father. You know, he, that's why he said, When you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I am the Father, one and the same.
0: Absolutely. John 1 4, we didn't quote, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. No, we can only have one light. I mean, we can't have two lights. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's like I pointed
0: and there's only one author of life. They can't be two auth- authors of life. Yeah,
1: exactly. And the light, you know, that we're supposed to let shine before men, all men, that's the part of God within us, or being part of, you know, or having the gift of the Holy Spirit. And again, you know, like I've pointed out in past sermons, people can read the Bible over and over and read these terms, or even read the first chapter of John, you know, chapter 1, and they'll never understand it if it isn't, you know, Jesus Christ leading them into that through the holy spirit and i think that's why we need to pray for the spirits leading every time we do set out to study
0: right and 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 in reference to the light i'd like to quote john twelve forty four to 46 before the topic gets away from us excellent that then Joshua cried out and said he believing in me does not believe in me but in he who has sent me and He seeing me sees he who has sent me. Yeah, exactly. And that's a
1: that's a bold statement if you think about it. Because absolutely. Jesus Christ is saying, look, if you believe in me, you're not really believing in me. You're believing in Yahweh. So I'm
0: Yahweh. Yeah, exactly. And and then he says, I am the light having come into the society, that each believing in me should not abide in darkness. Exactly. There's, there's no doubt that Yahshua Christ is Yahweh God come to
1: flesh. And that's where the whole blind leading the blind scenarios come in as well, is because if the blind lead the blind, they're like those without the light. So they walk and stumble in complete darkness, and they end up there in the ditch, and they'll never see simple things like Jesus Christ being Emmanuel, God with us, or even understand why Mary had to be a virgin to conceive, you know, or the perfection within that, which is a whole other discussion in and of itself, because... You know, in a lot of ways, is Gabriel coming and saying, "Behold, you know, you shall be with child, and it shall be of the Holy Spirit." Once again, you know, Gabriel told her she would be having God. <laughs> it's that easy, you know. So Mary knew this, and and many of the you know the uh, disciples knew that. But again, like you pointed out, Jesus Christ really left it open to the believer, and a lot of things, and he did that on every single level. The way he preaches, you can read John eight forty four over and over and over where he says, You're of your father, the devil, you know, and he's a, he's a liar and so forth. But they'll say, oh, he wasn't talking to the Jews. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and that's the total context of the verse. Because Jesus Christ, again, like you were pointing out, the parable of the tares and the wheat, he never once, you know, differentiated the difference between the good seed and the bad seed being, you know, the sons of God and the children of the devil. And I think that's the important part of it, is we should always be striving to be children of God because there's a lot of the children of the devil out there. And they'll be the first ones to pop up in a lot of ways and say that, uh, you know, Jesus Christ wasn't all he sh- he could be or, or cast, you know, doubt upon him or, or limit him. He was right. limited, but, but, you know. but
0: he had to die, so he was all that he had to be. Exactly, and nothing more. Okay, it's been a wonderful show, and 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 um, <laughs> I, I I really um I I hate to discontinue it, but it's it's about that time, and I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed our conversation, and it was it it was great to have you here, Pastor Vink.
1: Absolutely, I enjoy doing these. Thank you for having me, Pastor Vink.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. It's um, I I'd love to stay, but I still have a household with family, and a house full of family, and I I've, I've been blessed with the presence of my um, my oldest boy. And
1: Excellent. Excellent, And His
0: children this weekend.
1: Excellent.
0: So so I'm going to call it a night and I'll end this segment of Yahweh's Covenant People, and thank you all for listening, and again, thank you for
1: your company, and God bless, and take
0: care. Yah bless. So,